Hello, I'm Kate Chabot with an extra edition of the Citrep podcast. Scotty Mills had an extraordinary career in the Royal Marines, lasting more than 30 years. From becoming a commando almost by accident in the 1980s, he rose to become the most senior black officer in the history of the service. He led a daring mission as one of the first few dozen troops into Iraq and has helped some of the UK's most successful sporting teams. We spoke to him on SITREP this week about his new book, Never Give In, sharing how he thinks a Marine's mindset can improve your life. But we wanted to share more of his fascinating story, including an encounter with the late Queen Elizabeth II that nearly went badly wrong. So here it is. So, Scotty, tell us a bit more about your story. You became a Royal Marine almost by chance, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So, used to be into roller skating and ice skating back in the late 80s. I was a teenage lad and my nan and granddad had saved quite hard for me to have these brown suede bower skates. They were burgundy leg warmers, two-tone <laughs> jeans, Sergio Tashini tracksuit with detachable arms and a bit of string vest. I had soul glow in the hair. I was looking pretty cool or so, I thought at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going down the high street and it was starting to rain. I didn't want to get my skates rusted because I had a bit of respect for my over my shoulder. So I dived in the first shop and it just so happened to be the Royal Marines recruiting office. So, so as I'm looking up and down the high street, seeing if it stopped raining, not realising what I'd walked into, um, I got a tap on the shoulder and there's a guy there with his green berry on and he's saying, you look like a fit lad. Can you do pull-ups? I said, well, I can actually. So he's now dragged me inside, got me hanging off the pull-up bar, giving it a few of them. <laughs> with my skates still on my shoulder and he and he said something positive to me he said young man I can see some potential in you have you ever thought about joining the Marines and that takes me to another story about 10 years previously I remember I was only six seven eight years old something like that we went to for a visit to Buckingham Palace and we were looking through the gates at the changing of the guard and I remember a comment by one of the teachers as we were looking through at the changing of the guard, I never knew what I was going to become then. But her words were something along the lines of, you can look through the gates, but people like you don't get to go into this. Mm. Then a decade later, to be told by this guy with his greenberry on that he saw some potential in me. And he gave me some paperwork. I went back to go and see my granddad, and who'd, who'd fought along the, in the war. Um, alongside some of the Marines, he said, son, look, you know, that's the longest and hardest training in the world. But if you get through that and earn your green beret, then it will change your life. And, it's wow. and did you take to it immediately? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I'd, I'm married now with four kids. But, you know, at the time I had a girlfriend who I really liked. I would got through the selection bits, which was hard enough. And the training had started, this was in 1987, and I was terribly homesick after eight weeks. What the Marines do, they give you a little break, go away for the weekend. remember going back after eight weeks and went down to see my girlfriend at the time. And, and she said, look, I can't handle you being away. If you're going to be away all the time, then it, it's me or the Marines. Mm. And I thought long and hard about it. I really did. I was only young. And... Um, I chose the Marines. It was a tough choice. And what was it about the life of a Royal Marine that really attracted you? Well, especially as a young lad, it is attractive. I mean, you know, I've been to 86 countries around the world. The training's tough. Don't get me wrong. And it's layered. 
They never ask you to do something that they wouldn't do yourself. And they put in front of you these inspirational role models, their green berries are. And you look up to them like gods, really. And you have this common goal initially of earning your green berry. Of course, it's about daring to dream in life. Well, this was my chance. As I got into the training, I loved it anyway, because I, I realized that I was enjoying the challenge. And I was doing well. So that then gave me some confidence that I was doing the right thing by getting up early, by making my bed, by making sure that all my clothes were clean and I put all that extra effort into studying and advising and all that. I realized but, that by showing the Marines discipline mm. in the hope that one day you'll be able to discipline yourself, much like being a parent, right? And, and Scotty, you've done many operational tours. Yeah, yeah. Northern Ireland, a couple of times, Iraq, Afghanistan. And you write in your book that Iraq in 2003 was the most memorable. You were one of the first of a handful of British troops to go in, flown in on Chinooks. Uh, what was your role in that team? Tell us a bit about it. I was part of 40 commando Royal Marines. I was halfway through my career as a Marine. I was, I was a sergeant by then, commanding 44 Marines. It was the company that I was working in, Charlie Company, who were actually going to be the first to go in on three helicopters with around 50 Marines in each, a team of Navy SEALs, an American analyst. And we had to, you know, take the American analyst by helicopter before the war had even started into Iraqi soil, literally to start the Iraq war, to get to a point which is an oil regulation centre. So, so, Scotty, what, what was your mission exactly? Our mission exactly was to take control of the flow of oil into the Northern Arabian Gulf. We had to get her to a point where plug the computer in and took control of the flow of oil so that Saddam Hussein couldn't set light to the oil fields like he did in 1991. So um, it was what you could probably call a do-or-die mission. We were told there was a very low chance of success. But we had three helicopters, three different configurations, so we had three bikes at the Jerry, if you like. You know, when I talk about fear, fear is one of those things that especially guys struggle to speak about. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of being found out, fear of letting people know. You would have thought that that fear of the unknown, being the first on the ground, no one was in front of us. Very likely, very difficult mission to do. Low chance of success. You would have thought that fear would be the overriding emotion here. But you know what? It wasn't. We'd worked hard. We'd made sure that we'd left no stone unturned. And we talk about training hard and fighting easy so that we can become accustomed to uncertainty, so that when it happens, we've been there before, we know we can do it, and we know we can overcome it. And those moments, we talk about ordinary guys finding themselves in extraordinary experiences. That's one of those moments in life where I look back on that is extremely surreal. We, we did land on Iraqi soil, we did complete our mission. It was absolutely an incredible mission to have been a part of, but an even more of an incredible privilege for me to have led such amazing young Marines on that day. They, they were incredible, and to, and 
to watch our people can come together to be able to reach levels which they've never ever seen before was quite a privilege really mm. amazing the power of the human spirit can achieve so much 40 commando were awarded a battle honor for the first ever nighttime helicopter assault onto a foreign land and something that i remain extremely proud of and, and Scotty, your time as a Royal Marine gave you other incredible experiences, meeting Her Majesty the Queen, so you proved that teacher wrong, dining at Buckingham Palace, carrying the Olympic torch. I mean, it's it's just incredibly the, the, the breadth of things you've been able to do. Yeah, I've been very fortunate, I would say. But I would also say that, you know, I've really embraced and tried to incorporate that commando winning mindset into the, the things that I've done. I was looking to change my life and to achieve those things that I thought was impossible. And if a young lad like me from South London could do some of those things, then surely anybody can. I have trained Olympic champions, world record holders and World Cup winners, European champions as well. You know, I've carried the Olympic flag into the Olympic Stadium, as you spoke about. And to have had the opportunity to have done some of these things is a great privilege for me. And I hope that, uh, you know, the book I've written yeah. will inspire people that sort of talks about some of these stories and anecdotes, but more importantly, about some of the values, which hopefully has helped me to get there along the way. And Scotty, I mean, that, that Royal Marine training, which is obviously flowing through your veins, it's deeply ingrained in you. When you actually met the Queen, it almost uh, worked against you, didn't it? Just explain what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, what we'd been invited to an event because of working actually at the time with looking after wounded, injured and sick Marines. So because of the great work, my team of multidisciplinary people who are basically been in the business of rebuilding Marines and sailors' lives, as a thank you, Prince Harry and Prince William invited us to Buckingham Palace. So I've got to take all 28 of my staff, like a proud dad. You know, it was very lavish. It was lovely. We were, you know, having some sort of pre-canapes and a glass of champagne. And I had my back to a mirror. I was looking out, admiring, uh, you know, all of my team talking to the to royalty. And I felt somebody just on off my shoulder behind me. And there shouldn't have been anybody there because there was a wall or so I thought, or a mirror. Spooked me a bit. And I had a glass of champagne in one hand and I've turned around really quickly with the other. And the hard part of my elbow must have missed the Queen's nose by about an inch. <laughs> um, in Buckingham Palace, they've got false walls and false mirrors and she'd come in from right behind me. Didn't phase her at all. I don't think anything ever did. And... She never flinched, just looked up at me, realised that we'd come very close to colliding, <laughs> um, my elbow with her nose, and she, she just took it in a stride, said, oh, hello, I think we've met before. I was like, yes, Major Mills, yes, we are, Your Majesty, as I'm bowing about a hundred times. And, uh, you know, thank goodness um, it came out all right that day, and she just carried on. Such an incredible lady who I have so much respect for. God bless her. But a lovely story. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at your career, do you think you've made your own luck? I think you always do. And I think you make your own luck by developing and living those values, by being true to yourself, by being honest, and not trying to be somebody that you're not, being genuine and authentic, and by putting a lot of bloody hard work in. Because I think if you do that, 
then anything is possible. And you've used your skills and those rules um, that you learned as a Royal Marine to help some of the UK's top sportsmen and women, the GB women's hockey team, the England rugby team. And you were called Gareth Southgate's secret weapon in reaching the 2018 Men's World Cup semi-final. How did you coach and develop the England team? Well, it was one of Gareth Southgate's backroom staff who had a really positive experience of working with us back in 2002 because he came down with the England rugby team and then they went on to go and do really well winning the World Cup. So he was now working for Gareth and he said, look, you know, if if we're serious about this, let's go down and see the Marines. So what I decided to do was to get alongside Gareth straight away and understand what it was he was trying to get from his visit to the Marines because it was only a short weekend visit. And Gar said to me, Scott, you're a football fan. He said, you know, we've been paralysed through fear of failure, tournament after tournament, big game after big game. Something's got to change. He said, I know that Marines develop leaders at every level. He said, we need that in this team, not just off the pitch, but on the pitch as well. He said, also, the Marines have got a level of togetherness where you're prepared to bleed for each other side by side. You do it on the battlefield. We need to do it on the sports field. And also, he said, the third thing I think that's really important for us is to try to understand how you perform under pressure. Because Gareth knew that the greatest teams perform at their best when the pressure's at its highest. And no more higher pressure than at risk of death or injury of you or the people of you. So, Scotty, what did you do? You made the England team do the Royal Marines endurance course, including crawling through submerged water tunnels on the sheep dip test. Just tell us about how that went. Yeah. Shock of capture is a good thing. Uh, You know, they didn't know they were coming. We took their watches off them. We took their mobile phones off them. We put them in the same. Then all of a sudden, they're now in Woodbury Common, which is an open heathland, in fatigues. Identity as superstar footballers taken away. And now we're getting them to sort of run around two and a half miles of underwater tunnels and the like. That shock of capture we use to our advantage because people do have a fear of the unknown, like I spoke about. We can use that. The Marines are good at this. What we do, we make people cold and wet and tired and hungry and we see how they perform. We strip away people's outer skin and we see what the inner them is really like when we put a little bit of pressure on them. How do they get on? The pressure of them having to force each other through a tunnel where they can't move inside it. It's dark, dirty water. It's completely submerged. And they've got to put their hand out and hope and pray that someone the other end is going to pull them through, otherwise they're going to die. The trust in each other mindset was something which we needed them to overcome. And they did. There was some trepidation. Okay. However, we helped to coach and mentor and guide them through it. And they all come through it in the end. And they had such an incredible time. I'm still great mates with Gareth and a few other players. And I couldn't be prouder of the development that they've made over the past five, almost six years now. Mm. And it's not just down to Gareth. It's down to an incredible support team and coaching staff, medical staff that he's got around him. And I see Mm. an incredible amount of hard work and performance under pressure so that they can get to that point, so that they can give their best performance. I couldn't be more proud of them and the development they've made um, is is therefore to see, I think. And Scotty, um, in terms of sporting achievements uh, for yourself, you were part of the Royal Marines team that broke the speed marching world record in 2017. It was captured in the documentary to Helen Back. What was that like? 
one of the greatest teams I've ever had the privilege to lead. O- over the course of five years, we had three attempts on, a, on what some deemed to be an unbreakable world record, carrying 40 pounds of equipment, over 26.2 miles marathon distance. Uh, the Army held the record in four hours, 19 minutes and seven seconds, and we had three goes at it. First go, we failed by two minutes. Second go, we broke the world record by two minutes, but one of my team collapsed and almost died because eight have got to start and eight have got to finish. And even though we broke the world record that day, eight started and seven finished, so it didn't count. And some two or three years later, we decided to have a third and final attempt because the Marines aren't renowned for giving up, you know. We'd turned a good team into a great team for the second attempt, but then we needed to turn that great team into a world-class team. We managed to do that by going the extra mile, by getting to know each other better by leaving no stone unturned and truly living those values every single second and using every part of that training to focus on this on this goal that we had. The feeling of crossing the lines world record holders after three attempts over five years was incredible. We broke the world record by two and a half minutes. There is a, a documentary called To Hell and Back, which is very popular on YouTube. And hopefully it'll give you a bit of an insight into a couple of things. Firstly, how we lead in the Royal Marines. Uh, and secondly, about how we live our values. You know, I'm very aware that for some people, they get up and go, might have got up and gone, or they might be in need of a little bit of motivation in their life, or might need some inspiration to take that first step forward. And that's why I've written the book, so that hopefully people can pick up, never give in, and have the opportunity to be able to have a look at the life lessons I've learned along the way from these different experiences, the anecdotes, and some of the incredible things I've learned. Scotty, of all your achievements over your career, what's your proudest? What's the one that's most important to you? You mean professionally? Yes, and yeah. personally, I suppose. Yeah, well, I suppose from a professional standpoint, something that sort of seemed to be the culmination of all the hard work and people who have invested an incredible amount of time into me over the years was being selected to carry the Olympic flag at the Olympic Stadium after arguably the most successful Olympic Games of all time, London 2012. Uh, you know, to be selected for that was a real honour, something which I didn't really think about myself, but I certainly felt about, uh, you know, I thought about my family. My nan and granddad who brought me up, they weren't there anymore. I just want, you know, I thought about how proud they would have been thinking about my kids and future generations. You know, the opportunity to be one of just eight people carrying that flag that day is a truly once in a lifetime thing and to been chosen for that it just felt as though it was one of those moments where time stood still where you weren't watching history but you were a part of it and there was 80,000 people in the Olympic Stadium that day and I think 2.1 billion people across the planet watched as well <laughs> yeah it's a moment I'm very proud of that's for sure I know that my family and what is life like for you now? What motivates you to get up in the morning? Yeah, what a great question. It's a question that I really had to ask myself when I left the Marines. I asked people to look at this as well. Good piece of advice for anybody, really. If you're lucky enough to find your niche, something you've got a passion for, then you're more likely to get out of bed and look forward to Monday mornings. And, and I think you're luckier than the next person. I've decided physical training, mindset, 
personal development and sort of rehab and care was the thing that I really enjoyed doing. So when I left the Marines, I took a step back and I'd look at myself and thought, what is going to motivate me? What's going to drive me? What's going to get me out of bed in the morning? And do you know what does? It is to inspire others to achieve their impossible dreams. I love to see the look on people's faces when they do things that they once thought were impossible. If a young lad from South London like me, with no chance in life, who is destined to be on drugs, in prison or dead, can achieve all of his impossible dreams and there's hope for us all. And what's your impossible dream now, Scotty? Well, the thing is, you can't stop. You can't ever stop, you see. So I don't have New Year resolutions, but I do do my bucket list every year. And I keep it to myself because it's a personal thing. But, you know, once I've done it, you know, as in last year's one was to write and publish a book. Okay, and I've added something else to it now because, uh, you know, something that I've realised is that there are no limits to what can be achieved. I've realised that quite a long time ago now. So my aspirations for the future are massive. Scotty Mills, can't wait to see what you do next. Good to speak to you. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure, Kate. This is Sidrath.